0: Welcome to the Free Diving Journal, episode 11, a training talk episode with Michael Board. Donnie, I'm a professional freediving instructor, aspiring freediving athlete, coach, and educator, and the host of the Freediving Journal and the Freedive Cafe podcasts. Everything I do, including freediving courses, workshops, podcasts, and videos, can be found at freedaventhrrive.com. Also, subscribe to the Freedive and Thrive. YouTube channel for video content. The Free Diving Journal podcast is the ultimate source of knowledge and entertainment for the breathhold divers of the world. Join my guests and myself for deep dives into free diving news, technique, science and lifestyle. You can find the Free Diving Journal at freediveandthrive.com journal. Today we once again have something new on the Freediving Journal podcast. Uh, you might be beginning to see now that the idea behind the Freediving Journal is it's kind of like a magazine of different sections and each one that comes out might be, you know, it could be a science one, it could be a deep dive, it could be a news, it could be an archived uh, episode from the Freedive Cafe, something like that. So that's how it works. Work in progress, organic development here. Let me know what you think. Um, So today we have something new, but also something from the past, because today's episode was an exclusive episode released for patrons only. This was back in the day uh, 2000, back in the day 2019 to be precise, when the Patreon exclusive episodes were part of what I called uh, Free Dive Cafe Plus. Uh, This is a training talk episode. I did many training talk episodes. Um, uh, There was the original format and then new format. This is one of the, the old ones. So I've done many of these episodes and I always intended to release them a few months down the line uh, for the regular listeners. But, you know, time and life has its own plans. And here we are releasing this one three years late and on a different podcast. (laughs) Life is exciting and interesting and sometimes flows on a path you never expected. Uh, So this was one of the old format training talk sessions I did with Michael Bord. It was first released in August 2019, but I'm sure you will still find the information very interesting. Mike is still one of the deepest freedivers in the world. He hasn't been on the competition scene for a while, but he's still out there in Indonesia on the island of Gili-Trawangan, where he is enjoying the reopening of the country for tourism at his school Freedive Gili. As many of you will know, Freedive Gili has a very special place in my heart, as the place where I did my first freediving course. So, uh, what's a little update on top of this? Well, here we are um, with uh, an archive training talk episode. Uh, in the next few days, you will get, on the Free Diving Journal podcast, the next news dispatch. It's going to be a big one. Jordy and I are going to be talking about Vertical Blue and uh, the Ida World Championships that happened uh, back-to-back pretty much uh, last month. And um, shortly after that, I should have the next episode of the Free Dive Cafe coming out with uh, Alex Ginas, Alex uh, Colombian. Alex um, has put on an amazing performance in the Ida World Championships uh, in August diving his first, diving just huge dives but also diving his first 100 meters as well in a competition setting which is um, which is amazing and uh, this is, a, Alex is a very interesting backstory and a very interesting origin and um, it's once you hear it you'll know what I mean um, What else? Yes um, I'm going to be heading back to I'm now in Dahab for two more weeks so if you're around and you want to say hi, you want to grab a coffee or you want to go train together then uh, I'm always up for new training buddies and um, as long as I can fit it into uh, whatever else I'm doing, I plan to train pretty much nonstop while I'm here, as long as I can keep my lifestyle on track. And yeah, I'll be back in Taiwan in September. It uh, looks like Taiwan's going to be opening up to tourists in the nearish future. I'm hoping, you know, September, October, we'll start to see things moving forward with that. So if you're looking for a place to come and do a free freediving course or do some training, um, through the winter then consider coming to Taiwan and then after that it looks like I'm gonna be going back to uh, coming back to Dahab where I am now I'm not sure exactly when it could be a little bit earlier or it could be a little bit later We'll see how we get on once we get back in Taiwan anyway um, if you want to follow my uh, goings-on uh, first of all freediveandthrive.com is the main hub for what I'm doing um, the freedivecafe.com is the main website for the other podcast yeah i'm on instagram as a uh, free dive and thrive on facebook as donnie Mac, and um you're always welcome to get in touch email directly donnie at freediveandthrive.com okay let's get on to this archived training talk episode with michael board let's dive For
1: um, taking the time, I'm good. <laughs> it's been uh, been a while since we chatted, actually. How's uh how's uh, your freediving uh, school going?
0: Um yeah, now it's pretty good. It's uh it's picking up a lot. Um I got quite a few courses lined up for for the next few months. So yeah, it's good. I have have everything that I need, and I have people uh, coming to do courses. So yeah, it's great. Um I, uh, I'm gonna be Going to be doing one day less uh at my day job starting from august so i'll i'll have okay. yeah three three full days um to stay on the island and and teach or dive or whatever so that's uh, always good
1: cool i think uh one of the we're um we must be doing it at the same time as before because we've got a mosque going off in the background oh yeah
0: well oh, that's great we need that because uh we that's great the, dif- that's the activity. yeah now, you know, remember that guy complained because of the... Mo- Did you see that on Facebook? The guy who commented that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's perfect. <laughs> see, if you want to listen to Michael Bord, the, the mosque is part of the package.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Mike, what is going on with you? Just before we get into the questions, what is going on with you in terms of your training? Where are you at now? Are you going to the world championships?
1: Yeah, I'm going to the World Championships in Nice um, in September so I'm not going to the one in Rotan, right. the, the CMS one. Mm-hmm. I just got the one competition this year. That was always kind of the aim I think I, I was going to do Vertical Blue if it had been on um, and so then I would have been training for two comps this year but when, the, when Vertical Blue got cancelled I just thought I'd focus on the one and It's been quite nice actually um, not having to try and peak too early I've really enjoyed just taking a a slower and steadier approach to training
0: so mm-hmm. yeah and have you been able so I'm mid,
1: mid trading cycles at the moment
0: mm-hmm. have, have you been able to to just because uh, I know uh, Victor is uh, finished up at a uh, free dive gilly now right yeah
1: that's right he left uh, in junior
0: yeah. yeah so how does it work for you then having somebody to to dive deep with and train depth
1: um uh, it's so I've always had the other instructors as well. I've got Severi here; he's always keen to go out. Um, and uh, I went out with Veronica the other day. Like the, the there's four instructors here, full time, and so generally there's someone to go with. But actually, we've also had visiting divers. I had a uh, Dave Meller out here, and then Nancy Gibson was out here, and so oh, and Dean was out here for a week and a half just now. And so like there's people people coming in. And been acting as my training partners, so um, it's it's worked out fine. Yeah, no shortage of people to do deep dives. So if-
0: that'll be me next year, Mike. I'm moving to Bali, and I'm Excellent. going to come and, I'm going to come and dive with you whenever you uh, whenever you need to, whenever you need that space filled. <clears throat> I'm finished. There's lots
1: of people. There's lots of people volunteering actually. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fighting for
0: room. Well, <laughs> I'm. I'll be. I'll be there, sitting waiting by yeah, the phone. But- Waiting by the phone, (laughs) staring at my picture of you on my bedside table. (laughs) <laughs> uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, so David David Meller was back there. I met David. Um, I think the first time he went to Free Dev Gilly when I was there. The last time uh, doing my okay. doing my instructor course. Yeah, David's a really nice, fun guy.
1: Yeah, very sound and uh, fun to have around.
0: Yeah, and uh, he's part of the British British team now, right, for the World Championships.
1: That's right. Yeah, so he was out here um, doing a bit of training for that. He'd been up. He's been he's been traveling around Southeast Asia, but he did his last stint yeah. And then the same with Nancy Gibson. She's also going to Nice, so it's been nice. We've had a couple of people from the British team.
0: Let's start off with uh, free, uh, free diving disciplines. What is your favourite one, and why, if you have one?
1: Yeah, I think um, undoubtedly my favourite discipline nowadays is constant weight. It hasn't always been that way. When I when I first started, um, like a lot of people, free immersion was the one that I got drawn to more because it's such a you know relaxing way to dive there's there's less to get wrong you just have to pull yourself down you know virtually vers- like uh, the start of the dive and everything there's a lot less to get wrong and so you, you actually ent- enter the dive you know the, you have to take them seriously as you go deeper but it's kind of um and the dives get harder because they're longer but still you, you, when you're first sort of starting to go deep it seems to be the one that's that comes easiest because you probably haven't uh developed um sort of uh, so much skill uh, in, in constant weight or in no fins, and so you find it harder. And that was the way it was with me, for sure. But as I've got better at uh, swimming with a monofin, um, it, it becomes the the favourite way to dive because you have this sort of, like, unlimited power uh, to get back up. And so there is absolutely no fear of depth or length of dive. You've always got this, uh, this way of getting... Of taking, getting yourself up from depth so easily and so quickly, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, um, and and that means you can be really relaxed and, and really just enjoy going as deep as you can. So that's definitely my favourite way now.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So was that a change that uh, in, in perception or feeling that happened very gradually, or was there kind of like a a, a, a moment or a period of time where it kind of shifted for you?
1: Um, I think it, uh, it was probably just a a gradual thing as you progress you know free diving um i probably started focusing more attention on constant weight um even though i found it harder because um because it was a way of diving deeper uh but over time it just gets easier um and easier to do it and so then it really becomes your favorite way so that's just the way it is with me
0: what is your favorite supplementary training for free diving out of the water
1: uh so it's, it's, it's a it's a tough one really it's um by linking it to freediving i have to think of what's my favorite way of training that actually helps freediving. yeah so it, these questions <laughs> so like are my kind favorite? of like
0: uh you you kind of being forced into uh to, to to make choices here like we're not gonna yeah. let you, we're not not gonna let you like run or fly kites for fun you know you you gotta you gotta pick and choose <laughs> it's, it's, it's gotta yeah
1: it's actually gotta benefit my freediving. yeah um i'd say it's it's really um sort of uh fitness training as in like uh um olympic lifts and crossfit style training you, you've you've been to Frida Gillies you yeah, know yeah we've got a little gym gym set up there and um very much focused around sort of free weights lifts and then just setting up circuits now i love interval training anything that really sort of um feels hard um, and intense yeah
0: gets the heart um, racing I, you know, and, yeah
1: yeah exactly and also makes you feel strong and uh, and gets you stronger So I get a lot of value out of that. I think it's very useful for the free diving as a foundation, You know, putting on muscle, especially prior to periods where all you're doing is just diving. It's good to put on a few kilos and actually just get stronger um, as as a base. So I I really enjoy doing that.
0: What's the best way to increase breath hold time?
1: Uh, I I don't know that I'm I'm like the best person to ask on that. I'm not like somebody who's got a great breath Mm -hmm. hold
0: um oh, maybe I can ask maybe I can put it to you this way you know because I have a feeling this question is almost one of those ones that was going to be quickly redundant um, because I feel like top level is just three
1: consistency
0: divers, right consistency right. consi-
1: your yeah, consistency of training because it's not one okay obviously it's apnea exercise you have to be doing stuff in apnea alarm uh, regularly um, and so I've learned a lot from uh, the, the, the years that I've been doing apnea training uh, with Goran. and um, right, Goran. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, you saw Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, he is a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to apnea training. Uh, and and uh, what I've noticed in the programs that we follow that have helped me sort of work on my breath hold, which you know I'm doing mainly to improve my, my depth um, diving, uh, is just lots of acne work and keeping it um, changing all the time. So, like, you might do statics, um, obviously, to, uh, to get used to the feelings and to not be scared of contractions or the you know the feelings that come on the longer part of the breath hold. Um, but then you do crawling along the bottom of the pool as well, and then you do um, CO2 tables where, uh, with, you know, shorter intervals. And one of the main things that I've noticed is um, – uh, from being coached is the sessions are longer and harder than I would ever give myself
0: Right. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah there, there's a point where you want to stop and that's really when the training starts uh-huh, so right. normally we're halfway through a session <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it would, would have been where I'd have gone yeah that's probably good enough uh-huh. that's obviously when the training starts and because you've been told to do it it's on your program you have to complete it but um, it's uh yeah it's, it's basically those uh those last few sets of apnea training that that uh trigger the adaptation and um so it's it's regular bouts of that and then doing different kinds of drills and exercises to keep it interesting if you just repeat the same ones week in week out yes it's apnea training but i think your mind gets tired of it and you start developing mental blocks whereas if you keep changing it up you're still doing the apnea training but you maybe don't have the fears because you don't really know what what to expect. Uh, and in that way, I think it's good having a coach to tell you what to do rather than try and come up with your own interesting variations.
0: Yeah. So like uh, having a coach there helps you to sort of like step ho- step over that threshold where otherwise you may have been sort of stunting your development a little bit just for the lack of uh, yeah. being able to push yourself.
1: Yeah. Maybe um, I'm pretty good at pushing myself I'm when I'm told to do something. I'm not so good at coming up with uh, difficult sessions uh, off the top of my head. Right, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I don't have the experience. And so it's kind of, as I said, like uh, I like it when I'm given something that's harder than I would have given myself. And I just get on and do it and uh, discover um, the benefits that mm-hmm. way.
0: Right. And uh, moving on from that, what about CO2 tolerance? What is what are your thoughts on improving CO2 tolerance? Is it the same? Is it all it's, happening it's, Yeah, I think I think
1: it's. I think it's in the same vein, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really, um, it's another aspect of apnea tra- training. Not really short sure to, uh, to say that. Really, it's, again, it's doing tables and uh, and keeping it intense. You know, like uh, it's got to feel hard, and that's that's when your body adapts. So,
0: yeah. Just uh, out of curiosity, did you when you started uh, breath holding? Did you did you start off with uh, contractions that came kind of relatively early or relatively later on and what kind of change did you see over the last 10 years do you have contractions much later now as a result of training or do they still come roughly the same time but you just deal with them in a different way
1: yeah I'm definitely somebody for me I'm I'm amazed at how late some of the, uh, the top pool divers seem to have their contractions come on is mine hasn't changed that much over the years. It's like it can come on between two and three minutes, like on a static. And it hasn't like hasn't changed at all from that, really. But uh, my ability to uh, deal with it is, is what's changed over time. Like, I, I don't react to it. Like, uh, contractions are much more of a feeling. And um, as long as I haven't been doing too much, like uh, too many breath hold exercises in the week, um normally I'm pretty good at handling it in terms of uh, like mental strength and um, it, yeah like it's just a feeling that it gets quite intense and um, you have to push through it until you get hypoxic and uh, that was you know when you, when I was first starting out it, well, it didn't feel that way so I think that's what that's what's changed they they haven't got any less I've just got better at mm-hmm. understanding what it is
0: mm-hmm. yeah interesting Um what technique? Oh, sorry, no, I'm skipping questions here. Um, design a pool session for hmm. us to make us better all-round divers.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that. It's, um, it's, it's, there's no, I can't really think. There's no real quick fix. Like, uh, okay, this is the pool. This is the pool. The pool session. This is the pool session. that's going to make everyone a better. Right. Guy, okay. I so think. I don't know.
0: I think I might have to reword this question or something because. Yeah, that's I'm not, what I was thinking because yeah.
1: it's, it's like there's no sort of like uh, this is the hack. <laughs> it gets you into freedom. It's kind of you have to do pool sessions, and you have to do like uh, do them with intensity and then and and variety. So it's kind of um, and and the, the like. It can be anything from uh, sessions of over unders, uh, which are really good at developing sort of CO two tolerance, um, to uh, sets of you know, seventy five meters with um, a couple of minutes break in between, or 100 meters and just you know but doing like 10 uh 10 cycles um yeah there's so many different types of training you can do uh and all of them are going to uh you know cause you to uh cause adaptation so there's not one there's not one uh, that i can think of that's any better than any mm-hmm. the other you just got
0: to get in the I, pool want, I want to do
1: yeah and uh and you know do the sessions properly and Complete them. You know, don't uh, you know if you set yourself a, a task, where, you know, where maybe a 16 by 50 is always a, a good benchmark starting point. And so you complete it, no matter how hard it gets, you get through to the end of it, and then you have a benchmark, and then you can improve on that the next time. And so it's more about consistency of these pool sessions and variety and always making sure that you're doing it at the right level of intensity. And it doesn't always have to be like so intense. So one good thing you can do with your pool sessions is rate them um, for sort of physical and mental toughness on a scale of one to ten, and and, uh, and that way you can sort of monitor how much uh, uh, how much it's taxing you, and you don't want to be hitting nines all the time because that's too much um, uh, uh, pressure on um, it's, it's too much on the body yeah, if you can't if you're you can doing do that all the time. Like this yeah that's right it's a path to overtraining so you know you can be hitting sevens and eights and then in some weeks you may want to push up to nine to really cause some adaptation but then the following week you may you may have to pull back a little bit so that you don't get yourself overtrained so um you know these are useful things that you can do mm-hmm.
0: very very uh um sensible advice and uh yeah so i think i think that question i'm gonna have to reword that one roughly in the in the vein of the next one which is how would you structure a deep dive training session if you could only do it one way for the rest of your life so someone's <laughs> yeah. going to be watching yeah. you mike
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's again it's, it's different for everyone it's kind of if if a deep dive session for you is doing 40 meter dives you know that, that's perfect and like you can get, you say oh it'd be an amazing dive session you go out and you you plan to crack five 40-meter dives so you can do some warm-ups and have nice intervals between dives. But if a deep dive for you is to go out and do a 100-meter dive, then it's never going to be anything more than going out, doing one or two lazy, comfortable warm-ups just to fill the water and then cracking you know, the best deep dive of your life. And that's it. You don't get to do anymore. But it's still, that's what you would do if that was the one session you wanted to do for the rest of your life. So it's such an open-ended uh, yeah, your question. It's depending on it's
0: what, what Not, it's not open en- en- no, was- handed. If I'm holding a gun to your head and, and uh, you're right there in the water, <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's what Adam said. You know, Adam pretty much said the same thing. He do he'd do two dives. He would do a, a nice easy warm up, and then he would do his deep dive, and that would be it. So, yeah, um, and that
1: could be a yeah,
0: that
1: could be the perfect session
0: for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what technique, lifestyle, or mindset change? helped you improve more than anything else?
1: Yeah, I can't think of one thing that's really, you know, helped me improve. It's, like, it's such a a, a a change that's happened over time. So again, it's like trying to single out one one thing that the people who think, oh yeah, that's what I want to do or like to change their diving, it, to me isn't really possible. It's like it's been... So there's been so many things you know, I've been doing over, over the 10 years. I can't actually single anything out.
0: You don't have to single anything out, but is, is there anything that sort of springs to mind that uh, you have a kind of, you know, a recollection of, uh, you know, a sort of a paradigm shift in your, in your diving?
1: Um, okay. So yeah, I think like, uh, there, there comes a point in your diving where you, you uh, you you realize you're not getting any further. And, uh, for me, um, it was me- like many, many years it seemed where I was kind of always struggling around the sort of high nineties to sort of like early hundred meters. And, um, I, could, I could, it could go either way. Some seasons I felt like I couldn't really get easily. They'd get back up to a hundred others. I'd just get overboard and get any further. And, and when, like when hitting that point, um, I realized I had to change uh, my approach. Um, and it required uh, taking a few steps backwards um, and, and changing uh, some of the things that I uh, um, I took for granted as, as the way you dive deep And so I think um, it, it's sort of recognizing that you don't that you may have followed a path to get to where you are and it's got you so far but at some point looking at it and realizing it maybe it's not actually the, the key to progressing. It's, it was, it's got you as far as you're going to go. And I've, I've talked to Adam about this as well. I know he feels this, um, with the same in, in terms of uh, the equalization method that he was using. You, know, you, you tend to like, you get close to competition and you fall back onto what's worked for you before you panic, you know, you're, you're getting closer and closer and you've got to dive deep and you think, okay, I'll just do what I did last year. But it's limiting. It's a limiting factor and it's not going to get you any further. And so you have to really be willing to sort of look at things. And go, okay, I'm going to have to risk this and try a different approach, even if it means diving shallower. And then you, yeah. then you can uh, perhaps might, progress. So, so that I suppose uh, recognizing that and then having the um,
0: uh, the sort of humility to step back and
1: uh... the confidence, yeah, the confidence to do it uh, is, was probably the the biggest change.
0: Mm. What are you? What are you doing in your mind in the two minutes before your deep dives? Do you have a place that you are sort of trained? Trained that you've trained yourself to put yourself? Yeah. Wow, that was an awful. Uh, yes, I
1: know, I, it's, it's all right. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, yes, kind of. I. Um, it, it's it's changed over time. I think I think uh, you know the two minutes before a dive in competition, and and it's a big dive. It was obviously. Uh, Quite mentally hard um, to sort of stay relaxed and uh, and try and uh, make this into just another deep dive, and I um, I got into habit of running uh, like a a kind of mental program, a series of thoughts that I uh, I always run before deep dives, and then just repeat that same um, uh, pattern of thoughts, like starting from three minutes out. before every dive and then so you just lapse into that and you focus on completing that program and then it leads you straight up to your official top that's kind of what my fallback um what i found is that I, I, I was i relied on this for uh, quite a few years and it was it was fine it, it seemed to work well for me um it is uh, actually it's, it's a it's um oh, i've forgotten the name of the book now anyway it's it's, it's a technique from um uh, a, a book called uh, uh with winning in mind um but i don't really do that so much anymore i, I found that um, i just lapsed into quite a meditative state now uh and i just kind of um like focus on noises and sounds and uh, as um alexo molten would call it like deconcentrate and and go into quite a, a, a sort of yeah so meditative state in the minutes before a dive, and then I kind of get pulled out of it uh, when I when I hit the two minutes to official top, and then I started I start just sort of tracking through, okay, maybe uh, I just rehear, I just think what I'm gonna do in the first um, part of the dive. So I'm thinking about, okay, remember to take my time with my last breath, uh, my final breath, and you know, how much I'm gonna pack and then remind myself just to be really calm and slow with my duck dive and then just think of how relaxed I'm going to be in that first 20 meters. I might just repeat that in my head just to reassure myself and then just start deconcentrating again. And so it's kind of, this is what I, I basically do before the dive. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Which person or persons have influenced your own approach to free diving the most?
1: Um, it's, it's been different people, different stages. I think uh, my, fir- my first influence was Sarah Campbell, like uh, early on, um, because I went and did uh, some training in Dahub, as other people do, and uh, and trained with her. And so um, she was definitely my first sort of like mentor and influence. Uh, after that, uh, it was just quite, I can't really pick up dive other free divers that I met and spoke to during competitions. I was sort of well on into the competition circuit sort of doing vertical blues and world championships. And you, you know, you're just surrounded by other divers and be living in a house with you know, some of the top three divers. And you just talk about little, little snippets of conversation and you, you basically, um, take something in from it. Um, I've learned, uh, Lexi Moulton has always been around and he's always been very open, like, good uh, tips when you need it. And so, um, uh, He's been quite an influence, I'd have to say. Um, and then more recently, the last three years, because I've been tra- training with Goran, um, he's been a bit—he's been a massive influence in, in my tra- training. Training, obviously. So yeah, they've probably been the, the biggest influences. And actually, then Adam as well, because although me and Adam are sort of like at the same level, we, we just bounce off each other and and just chat things over and so uh, I've learned things from him and, you know, just through conversation by talking problems out and things like that. And so, yeah.
0: So, yep. Sarah, Adam and, uh, and Goran, uh, all guests on free dive cafe. So if anyone's listening, you can go on, uh, hear from them personally. So, uh, was your deepest dive also your
1: best dive? Um, ooh, probably not actually. I think, uh, you know, your, your deepest dives always come with a certain like with a, with a level of stress <laughs> you, you might try like obviously you're trying to be as relaxed uh, as possible but um, there's gonna be there's still some uh, tension you know in your mind like if you're going for a personal best diving competition so I would say that the best dive like I can't actually think of um, uh, what dive would be. Um, the best dive. I've done really nice deep dives in training that are below uh, uh, you know, five meters less than my deepest dive that have just felt so relaxed and easy. And I think those are, are definitely the best dives because you're, you're not close to your limit. And so you're free to really enjoy um, doing, a, doing a hard dive Like well, what should, like, physically um, is, is a more difficult dive but feeling very little mental pressure or stress from it. So they're the best dives.
0: What is your favorite memory so far from your free diving journey? I'm sure you have many amazing memories, but if there's, is there anything that stands out in particular? I,
1: um, I think like, I, I, I really remember uh, doing my first 100 meter dive at Vertical Blue, it's such a milestone. And um, it felt like it's was, it was such a, a goal for so long. And you know, there was years of sort of bouncing around the high nineties, going for hundreds, having LMCS and red right. cards, and never quite getting there. And you know what I mean? It's kind of like and so finally getting it and nailing it in Vertical Blue, and having people around cheering it. It mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> was actually you know a really nice emotive moment. I remember, uh, I remember that quite vividly. Uh-huh. But um, actually, uh, one of the my favorite moments in freediving isn't competition related at all. It was actually, um, and, and I wasn't with other freedivers apart from my safe diver. It, it was actually the, the week that I, I spent making, uh, that the music video because, um, it was using, uh, it was using freediving in, in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and with, as I said, being with total non freedivers, sort of like being able to, uh, produce what they wanted uh, they had no idea uh, they, they, they they only they had the sort of, um, they imagined what they wanted and they didn't know whether it could be created and so to be able to uh, to use the sort of years of freediving training and actually say okay yeah we can do that it is possible and produce it using our freediving superpowers was actually really satisfying and um and they you know they're, they're a great bunch of people to work with as well so like, like I, th- I think as a as a general memory I, that uh, that one's really quite special mm-hmm. to me
0: and can you just remind us the name of the uh the, the music the name of the video
1: oh right um yeah it was is the birthplace it was called birthplace by uh, an artist called Nova Amor. okay and nice. uh, the the, the, vi- the video was uh, basically a story about ocean plastic mm-hmm. and uh nice. yeah but it was uh, yeah
0: how does your how does freediving benefit your daily life in the real world
1: well it's freediving is my life right. it's, okay. it's kind of like you know it's like my whole my my business is obviously based around it but um more than that uh my, my entire community like the people that work around me with my team that everything is based around freediving so like it's, it's it's hard to really divide nice, to separate yeah. my life from freediving. Free yeah, from freediving. But on, you know, on a more, on a more personal side is, uh, it's, it's what really gives, um, structure to my, my year and gives, and provides me with direction in terms of how I'm going to spend my time and what I'm aiming towards, you know? So it's, it's really quite profound and it's, it's hard, hard to think what I wouldn't do if I wasn't freediving. That would be the real, that would be the dilemma. So like, uh, because I have, have freediving and I have competition, and I have these goals that I, that I want to achieve each year. There's no, there's no question marks around you know, what I'm going to be doing to fill my time. It's more like, OK, I've got to be training for this period. There's a competition at that time and I want to be diving this deep this year. You know? So that's, that's the basis of my year. And then I'm filling in the gaps that that leaves me. Because there's so many other things I want to do. I want to go snowboarding. I want to do other fun things. And it's kind of like, okay, when can I fit that in? So it's kind of like freediving provides this sort of structure. <laughs> and then I fill everything in and around.
0: What do you wish you'd known uh, about freediving when you started out?
1: I don't think there's anything I really wish, I, wish I'd known. To be honest, it's been it's. I didn't have any preconceived ideas about it. I kind of uh, stumbled across it, and uh, there's nothing that I I really wish i would have known that would have made my journey any different it's kind of like the the way it's unfolded has been perfect and uh <laughs> i can't yeah i really can't think of anything to mm-hmm. be honest
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's that's another one that's i think is redundant that question because it's it, most yeah. people when i ask them like if they, if they could go back and talk to their you know younger self um mm. you know and tell them give them give themselves some advice everyone says you know like they wouldn't go back and change because where they are now is dependent on everything that has happened. And if it hadn't happened that way, they wouldn't be where they are it's now. It's part of the journey. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You know, yeah. some of these questions, I know they're like, I know they're redundant, but these are the ones that people ask me to ask, you know, and it's only, yeah, you know, it's, it's the only, when I get to this point that I'm like, you know, I, I can I can't ask, people anymore like how to improve your breath or do you know what i mean it's like no
1: no i get it just, but and people are people are looking people are looking for some sort of like solid tips yeah, ideas yeah. tools one thing that's going to transform um and i, I suppose uh, what, what, the, what the discover over more and more of uh listening to free divers sort of like more experienced free divers talking is that there, there maybe isn't a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah like uh, you've just got you've got to you've got to go on this journey and you'll find out, you know, things along the way and that's all part of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, um, all right, so um, what is the uh how do we get to 100 meters within the next three weeks
1: (laughs) you don't we're gonna we're gonna skip it don't try (laughs) don't try well unless you're at 95 (laughs) just just relax good (laughs) idea
0: just relax more yeah okay yeah. um we're gonna skip best best thing and worst thing about free diving world there all right so <clears throat> a couple of uh, fun no, no, no,
1: we could have we could have answered that what is the best thing about the freediving world? all right well
0: let's uh, let's ask that then <laughs> what do you think what is the best and worst things about the free diving
1: world okay the best thing about the free diving world is is the the people in it obviously like uh it's such a diverse group and so many interesting and talented people that you meet when you're like if you're, especially when you're traveling around competing and and like running a free diving centre like you you'll, you'll be you'll just dis, you're discovering this now you just come into contact with so many great people like they, they come to you <laughs> it's wonderful yeah. it's got kind of like mm-hmm. people from all different walks of life wanting to discover free diving and they're already maybe super talented in some other sport yeah. or some other profession or something and you get to meet them because they all want to come and learn this crazy thing called free diving and so like this is for me like one of the, the most amazing things about it. You know, I love the people within our sport and I like the fact that it's kind of quite niche, quite geeky, uh, a little bit crazy, you know? And then at the same time, that's also the worst thing about the sport. <laughs> There's uh, some, like some really judgmental people who, um, who, who, uh, come up with ideas. I think that, um, From their own, uh, from what they've discovered in freediving, they they come up with rules or ideas that they then feel Mm -hmm. that that's freediving, and Mm -hmm. they try and impose it on everyone else. And and it's those, it's the forum, yes, those forum discussions that you read, and you just you, you, you. you sort of write out a reply and then you delete it because you don't want to get involved in that discussion yeah, online. Yeah, I've been there. You know, it's kind of like it's infuriating, you know, reading what other people are trying to push, but then you want to say something because you're so outraged that that person is trying to tell other people this crazy idea that they're doing, or you know, something like that, and you feel obliged to say something. You know, so it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's both the best and the worst
0: side of our sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think get, getting involved in those Facebook conversations is like, um, should Yeah, just, don't do it. You just, just not don't. do that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, right, a few fun questions. Uh, if you had to eat only one meal and you get a drink with that every day for the rest of your life, uh, what would it be?
1: <laughs> I do only eat one or two. No, only meals. For the same thing or, every single day. Yeah, every <laughs> single day. Right, when I'm in training, literally, I have you know, I have the restaurant called Banyan Tree, a yeah, vegetarian yeah. restaurant. And so there's three things on the menu. I rotate through these three meals. So like, it's not actually this um, hypothetical question. I feel it's kind of like <laughs> I've only eating this for the since January. I've only eaten three meals. So um, I think it's a dreadful idea, and I don't even want to go there. <laughs> okay, fair
0: enough. <laughs> Yeah, if you're on three meals, I can hardly push you towards one meal, right? Um, right, then uh, three books that you would take to a desert island. And you live on a desert island, so this, know, one should be easy. But this is easy. Just tell a- us some of your books.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, actually... Uh, I've been told um, I need to read Dune. I, I quite like sci-fi.
0: Hi, oh, Frank Herbert, books. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've never read Dune, and I've been told it's such an epic book, and so going yeah, to tell you three books that I've read before, like, why would I be on a desert island with three books I've already read? <laughs> it's kind of like, so there must be at least one book that I haven't read, and it looks like it's going to have to be that one. I'm going to have to try that. Um, but then if I was going to reread a book, I would probably read uh, another fantasy novel, um, The Name of the Wind, by Patrick Rothfuss again, because I've only read it once, and I really enjoyed it, and I'll probably read that again. And then, maybe, uh, since it's a desert island, I'd probably read Lord of the Flies, to you uh, get some tips on how to run a right. desert island.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you run into somebody else. Yeah,
1: you know. Like,
0: I haven't decided put, if I'm going to populate this island with other people yet.
1: <laughs> uh, that's actually, I wasn't sure, but I was... Just thinking, I might need some sort of like political structure, and I might need some ideas.
0: So yeah, that that will be that. That's going to be the culmination of my plan with the, the podcast. It, what it's eventually leading to is that I'm going to get the hundred best free diver in, free divers in the world and just dump them all onto a desert island together. <laughs> and,
1: uh, Do they get a rope and a line? Just,
0: Yeah. <laughs> and just uh, and see how see who's left after after a year. <laughs> Right. If you, could, uh, if you could spend a day with one famous person or any person from history, who would it be?
1: That was a tough one, actually, that question. Uh, I thought about it a lot and then I came actually down to a guy that nobody's, well, some people will know, but it's not like some great historical figure, but it's um, it's basically uh, it's a guy called Dick Winters. And everyone, uh, people who watch Band of Brothers would know him as the officer who commanded Easy Company which are the 501st Airborne during D-Day and through to the end of the war. And I was just thinking of people that I would meet that really inspire me. And being an ex-military officer, like uh, when coming across this this guy uh, and the interviews with him during uh, the miniseries Band of Brothers, like I just found him to be the most inspiring leader and person of such sort of like high moral standards that, um, I, you know, to, to meet him and be able to talk to him and, and hear his stories uh, would be the most amazing thing. I'm, I'm totally in awe of uh, the people of that generation mm-hmm. and, the, yeah. and the, sac- the sacrifices they made. And I don't, you know, I just that that would be something for me. So, what do you do
0: to relax? Um, and I mean, really relax. So, you know this is not going for a run to relax. But how do you really wind down?
1: Uh, it, it changes over time. Like, if I've got a good book to read, like, and I, when I say books. I like to get into novels, fiction stories, because I I, I really need to escape when I'm sort if if I'm going to really relax and sort of have some downtime, then it's kind of escapism, and so I, I, I really like to get into good stories. Um, sometimes the easiest and quickest way is is a series like a mini series or something like that. I can quite quickly get lost in a story that way but you know stories basically i like to watch stories or read stories mm-hmm. yeah. have you read um the
0: red rising books by no. Pierce brown yeah um yeah I, I picked the first one of that series up recently and um I read it through quite quickly which is quite unusual for me because i almost never you know get into a, a novel these days and i was really looking for yeah. that kind of escape and yeah. yeah, that was quite good. Red Rising is kind of a mixed fantasy and sci-fi uh, kind of like, um, what's it called, like Hunger Games on steroids. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. <clears throat> that was um, quite good. Cool. So check it out. It's called Red Rising. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the next question was going to be, what is your day job if you have one and how do you make a living? But, you know, anyone who doesn't kind of know what you do, you, you definitely make a living as a free diver and a professional free diver. And uh, they can go and yeah. listen to your, uh, you know, your... Free dive cafe episode and uh, mm. find out all about free dive Gilly, which is like the, mm. what I like to call the spiritual home of my free diving. That's where I <laughs> where I started, and um, uh, so that's all, all that information is on the uh, the um, the interview that we originally had. Um, and then uh, just to take us out, um, <clears throat> what are your plans for the future? Plans
1: for the future um, we're in free diving, obviously. So yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. This it's quite a hard one to to know from year to year. Like I don't have, I can't envisage stopping freediving anytime soon. I'm enjoying it still too much, and as I said, it it provides me with um, with so much structure and direction. Um, but who knows how things are going to change? You know, there's so many other things that I uh, like doing as well, like other sports. That, that, that um, I get a lot of other things out of. You know, freediving is uh, doesn't have the, the fun aspect that other sports can have. You know, like you, you train you train and there's definitely uh, the sort of positive feelings, the sort of meditative feelings and um, like the peace that you have during dives, things like that. But I also like the fun and exhilaration that you get from other sports like snowboarding and like, even from climbing and surfing things like that so it's kind of i might want to spend more of my time or like more of my year doing things like that i don't know how that would affect uh uh, my ability to compete and that's that's uh, i I don't know how that will affect freediving in the future at the moment i'm still keen to do at least one big competition a year and so that would be yeah i suppose that that kind of answers, answers the question
0: well, whatever it is that you decide to do, Mike, um, I'm sure you're going to do a, a great job at it. And, um, probably, uh, yeah, when is, um, when is the World Championships in Nice? It's in, uh, September. Is that right?
1: Oh, I don't even, yes, uh, I think it's something like 7th to the 15th. Or, or it's around yeah. then. It's beginning right, yeah. to mid September.
0: Yeah. Right. So I wish you, uh, all the best with the competition. I hope you, more than anything else, have a really fantastic time. Um, are you gonna be? Uh, are you gonna be around Deep Week in November? Uh,
1: yeah, I might drop in.
0: Are you planning on being there? Yeah, I'm. I'm officially definitely going to be there. I have. Okay, uh,
1: so uh, who's running? Who who's the guest on that?
0: Uh, Will Will Truebridge.
1: Oh, it's the Will Truebridge one. Okay, Mike. Um,
0: thank you so much. I'm gonna I'm gonna head off now. I'm gonna let you go. Um, this has been cool. awesome. Thank you so much. I'll uh, I'll send. Yeah, you, good uh, with you, mate. Yeah, I'll I'll send a link to. Uh, a copy of this when it's been produced it will come out at the the beginning of next month um and in the meantime have a wonderful evening say hi to severi and uh, veronica for me give them big hugs from me and um yeah have a nice evening Okay, guys, that was uh, a new thing, Archive Training Talk episodes uh, from back in the day. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I always enjoy listening to, to Mike. Uh, he's an absolute um, machine of a diver and an amazing human being on top of that. Um, let us know how you're doing, guys. Uh, winter is coming. Winter is coming. Um, how are you all getting prepared for, uh, for that? Is, is winter coming right now? I don't really... Is that September the 1st? Is that too early for that? Maybe it is. I don't know, because I don't really live in a very wintry place um, and haven't done for 10 years. But um, I'm rambling now, really rambling. Uh, OK, let's go. Let's go and uh, get some work done. And I will see you soon and talk to you soon. OK, dive safe.